0: Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? Who are those guys? I'm Galen, and I'm Doug,
1: and we're Those Movie Guys, bringing movie reviews and previews to the masses since 2007.
0: Today is Monday, November 12th, 2007. Today on the show, we review the theatrical release of American Gangster. Then we have two TVD releases of Talk to Me and Disney's film Ratatouille. Finally on the show, we'll discuss our top five movies based on a true story.
1: Okay, well before we get started today, I have some unfortunate news because of circumstances with finishing up my research papers, we're going to have to take a month off after this week's show. So we won't be coming back till the weekend of the 16th of December. So we're sorry, but there's really nothing I can do about it. There's just I can't guarantee that I'll see This the isn't
0: a paid job for us. So yes, yes. Put like, it on hold.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, we will be back then though and we'll we'll have uh maybe not that week, but certainly over the New Year's area we'll have our best and worst lists of the year and Hopefully we'll have a lot of reviews to cover. So, The good news is, though, actually, the first time in a long time, we all saw all three movies that we're talking about today. So that's the, the positive that we have going on here for us.
0: The bad news is we don't have blurbs for any of them because <laughs> of the writer's strike. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I think we'll be all right. But... <laughs> Anyways, uh, so let's just get right into it. Our first review is the theatrical release of American Gangster. Now, whenever I saw the previews for this, I figured can't miss movie, Denzel Washington, Russell Crowe, directed by Ridley Scott, it definitely had that feel of those late 60s, early 70s, American film renaissance movies. And I thought that that gritty texture could really make a can't miss film. So Doug, do you think this is a can't miss or a must miss for those of our listeners?
0: Um, it's not a can't miss, but it's not bad either. Okay. I think part of my problem when I watched this movie is so badly I wanted to compare it to The Departed. I'm not sure why, because it's, it's not really a, a similar film at all. No. But I kept making the comparisons just in, I think, more of the tone and the style. And first, let me say, I thought the performances from all of the cast, all of them were terrific. Denzel Washington is a terrific actor, and just about every role he plays is very few movies that come to mind that aren't at least good, if not stellar.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm a humongous fan of Ridley Scott's direction, and it definitely shines through on this film. Mm -hmm. I think while it may not be anything revolutionary, and and maybe not Ridley Scott's best, it's certainly a strong piece. Very good shot composition, very good lighting, very good pacing. I, I thought he did quite an admirable job with it. I well, also thought that the writing, the screenplay was good. And I thought that the the movie was shot with its time period it was very believable. You know, yeah. everything looked like the time period it was supposed to. Right. And once the movie got going, it was quite good.
1: Well, you know, I I'm partially agreeing with you. I'm going to- I think I agree with you overall with your general impression of the film, as far as whether you liked it or not. I think I disagree with you on some points. Um, one one thing that I I certainly saw in the film was that it it was it it was certainly inspired by like I said earlier these movies from the American film Renaissance like French Connection and Good uh, yeah The Godfather and in fact the movie really is like they just took the godfather and smashed it with the french connection and what came out was american gangster and and i i mean that first of all in the cinematography which is exactly like those films uh i there are shots that Take place with Russell Crowe underneath the L train that are right out of the French Connection. I mean, it's the exact scene, and um, and even the character portrayed by Russell Crowe in the film—I uh, I can't recall the character's name offhand. Uh, Richie Roberts is even that character is exactly like Popeye Doyle in the French Connection. I mean, he's like channeling this. Hardcore, tough as nails cop that
0: uh, that Gene Hackman kind of pioneered. And then now, did you like did you like Russell Crowe's performance in this? Or let me say it this way, because I I thought his performance was okay. I, I didn't like his character so much. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, he's basically playing Russell Crowe or or Popeye Doyle. <laughs> I mean, whichever way you want to look at it, because he, he throws things, he gets into tantrums. I mean, you know, whichever... I wasn't wild about either performance, Denzel Washington's or Russell Crowe's, to tell you the truth, because I thought they were both being derivative. Russell Crowe, like I, I've been saying, it, it's Gene Hackman's performance in The French Connection. And it, it's it's bizarre. And then Denzel Washington is Al Pacino in The Godfather. I mean, there's even that one scene when he goes, they came after my family! And that that's exactly the scene from The Second Godfather. I mean, dead on, whenever they attack well, Michael's family.
0: and you bring up a good point. Yeah. And, I think this movie has a lot of cliché to it. Yeah, I, I mean... And uh,
1: I don't even know if I'd say cliché. It's just derivative. It's it Because like, it's really only two movies they're doing this with. But any time we're with Denzel Washington's Frank Lucas, we have... It, it, the movie is completely like The Godfather. And then whenever it's with Russell Crowe, it's completely like The French Connection. And then at the end, whenever they combine these two, it's like, what the fuck? The movie... Becomes bizarre when they're both working together to try to take down these crooked cops, and it just—I don't know. I guess that's the point. They're working in the Serpico from the the seventies, so I don't really know what their deal was. I mean, I guess Ridley Scott is kind of using the because since the movie takes place in the seventies, maybe he thought, well, we'll just make the movie look like a 70s american renaissance film but i honestly to me it didn't completely work i i mean that being said there there's i mean the cinematography is good and i i did enjoy how it looked like an american uh You know, those late 60s, early 70s era American films. But, at the same time, I think you can overdo that where homage becomes parody. It's it's a similar thing to what happened in The Black Dahlia with uh, (laughs) film noir. Now, not that horrible, because Ridley Scott's a much more skilled director than uh, um, Brian De Palma. But... It still has that feel. And it, it's, it's a little too derivative.
0: Well, I think, like you said, overall we're kind of in agreement. I mean, I probably explain it differently because I'm not as familiar with the French connection.
1: Right, right.
0: I, I certainly agree. I use the word cliché because... I guess derivative is a better word. I get, I think it's getting kind of tired now. It seems all these gangster crime bosses, you know, you always see them in these movies as being family men, which was what gangsters right. were. So mm-hmm. that's okay. But, you know, it, I think it's just time for a different character.
1: Well, yeah, no, you're if right. You're that... going
0: to make a, a movie as hyped and as powerful as this was supposed to be. I just think you need to kind of change the character. Now, this is was supposed to be based off a true story or based off a real character. If that's the case, why does this character seem like every other gangster that we see in these movies? Yeah, who you know has puts his family first and attends church and loves his mama and you know is a humongous drug trafficker.
1: <laughs> well, you're right about that. That certainly is derivative. Um, you know, it, it's funny, because I did... At the start of the movie, I really liked it,
0: and... See, I thought the movie was slow to get started.
1: Well, it is slow, I, I mean, but I don't think that's necessarily always a bad thing.
0: It, it
1: uh, To me, I liked the look of
0: it, you know, at first, but... Well, I, I agree with you, I did like the look of it.
1: But as it the- goes on, it just kind of gets overused.
0: My problem with the beginning was, you know, you kind of have this back and forth between your two main characters of Frank Lucas, Denzel Washington, and Richie Roberts, played by Russell Crowe. I liked Frank Lucas. I loved that character. I thought Denzel Washington did a good job with him. It was Richie Roberts that I didn't like. I hated the court stuff with his wife and his kid. Yeah. I just, I didn't think it had much of a point in the movie. I thought Russell's acting was okay. You know, I didn't think he himself is what hurt it. I thought he was a good choice as far as casting. Yeah, I just didn't think his character was written that well.
1: Well, you're absolutely right about the, the stuff with his, his kid and his ex-wife doesn't need to be in the movie at all. I mean, the stuff about his sex life doesn't need to be in the movie at all. And I mean... To a degree, it felt like it was pandering and saying, "Oh, well, we have to put some sex in this movie because there's none in it. Yeah. So let's just make him a uh, a uh, lech." But <laughs> but it, I I mean, so I, I certainly agree with that. And another issue I have, and I don't know the true story of this, but it seems to me they would not allow a uh the guy who arrested this man uh Frank Lucas to be the same guy who prosecutes him in court i i'm pretty sure that would not be allowed
0: so you're saying the fact that you know cuz you see him in school t- obtaining his law degree right so you're saying that was just dramatized for effect
1: yeah i i mean well, no, I, I, I mean, I know he did become a prosecutor, but I just, I don't know the details of the case, and I, I should like have he looked them up.
0: That case,
1: right, I right. I, I know can, that he I did can end can. up defending him eventually, but I don't know. To me, it just—I I didn't necessarily buy it, but who knows? I don't know a lot about the legal system, so maybe he did do that, but. Do you have any other thoughts to add?
0: Uh, not really.
1: All right, then. What are you going to give American (laughs) Gangster?
0: Well, I was kind of split with it. I I thought it's a good movie, but it's, you know, nothing that's going to be award-worthy. Certainly, I don't think it was worth the hype that it was getting. I'm going to give it a three.
1: Yeah, I'm giving it a three as well, and, um... (laughs) I want to clarify, because I guess it sounds like I only said negative things about the film. Right, there is
0: good to this movie.
1: Yeah, because it's certainly, it's not boring at all, and it is an interesting film. It's just at the end of the day... two hours
0: and 40 minutes isn't a help.
1: Well... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. You and your movie lengths. But, yeah. So, I, I guess we're saying, eh... To American Gangster.
0: Our next movie is the D V D release of Talk to Me. And I have to admit I wasn't quite as familiar with this movie. I wasn't it's based on the life story of a disc jockey named Pete Green and he was in prison as a disc jockey, but who eventually gets out and works for a real radio station in Washington D C. Uh, This film takes place around the time of Martin Luther King's death, and it continues, showing his successes and his failures of of both him and his eventual manager, Dewey Hughes. So, Galen, was this movie a big success, or did you think it was a failure?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to give it the the same Larry David, eh, that we gave to uh, American Gangster. I I wouldn't go as far as to call it a, a failure by any means. But at the same time, it's nothing that I would ever really watch again. You know, I, I think it, it fits squarely into the category that most biopics do, in that it's, it's interesting to find out about these people. But at the end of the day, it's not much more than a history lesson. And, and I don't really... I I don't really think that you need to see it. I mean, it's the same predictable biopic plot that we've seen in Ray and walk the line and half a dozen others where it's, Oh, this guy's a talented guy, but he's a tormented soul and he ends up giving into addiction and he, he kind of fights inner demons and, but he, he gives soul to the people through his own inner turmoil. And it's, It's just, I'm sick of
0: it. Well, I have to say I disagree. I really (laughs) like this film. Oh, really? I liked it, yes. And while I agree with you, the, the biopic formula is getting old, I don't think this movie follows it quite as exactly as you put it. I think the movie makes wonderful use of its characters. I think Don Cheadle and Ej- at four I apologize for that a pronunciation. It's OGF4, Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I think both of them did a tremendous job, tremendous job no, with this. the
1: performances are very
0: good. I, I don't know if I say tremendous, but they're very well, good. I think they were tremendous. You know, I, I love Walk the Line. I didn't really care too much for Ray, but Even though they're the think, same movie. I think this movie is so much better than both of them. See, what I liked about this movie is it didn't fall into those pits where, yeah, it has its ups and downs, and we know that these characters aren't perfect, whether this is true to the story or not, but it doesn't show him... It seems every movie we've seen about a biopic, it's always drugs that's The Undoing. Yeah. And that isn't how this movie happens. The Undoing is the fact that Petey's manager turns him into something he doesn't want to be. And then the two split apart, kind of destroying everything. And I think that brings more death. to the Yeah, but you don't the think the
1: alcohol had something to do with his fall? Well,
0: yeah, he was an alcoholic. But other than like a few instances where he kind of shows up drunk to performances and stuff, I wouldn't call it even close to his undoing. I don't know. You know, the, the best part of the movie and one of the best scenes is the Johnny Carson scene where... You know, he comes out to do a stand-up comedy routine, and it was just never what he really wanted. The whole time when he went national on TV, it wasn't what he was wanting. It was Dewey Hughes trying to market him and become something much bigger.
1: Right, I mean, that's true. Although, at the same time, I I don't know. I, I, I... I don't know how. I kind of think that he wanted to be big too. He just wanted to be big on his own terms. Right.
0: Uh, Well, I agree with that. You know, I know he definitely wanted his voice heard. He definitely wanted to say what he wanted to say and to tell it like it is. He just didn't want to do it in front of, you know, a national audience or, as he puts it on the Johnny Carson show, a room full of white people.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean,. What what I will give the movie credit for is I, I liked the, the use of lighting I thought was really good. I, I thought I overall the whole uh, shot composition in the whole film was really well done. Uh, I and, agree. And I really too. loved the music.
0: I certainly agree with you there.
1: But now I'm going to get to another bad thing that I didn't like is the whole integration of the... Whole riot footage and everything like that, and it, it's like <laughs> you know because we, we've seen it before. It, it's it's. I,
0: I agree that this is my negative with the film is the integration of the footage. It, it's really becoming cliched almost.
1: Yeah, it reminded me of um the uh, the hoax where you have all these protest footage and stuff. It's like give me a break. We get it. It's been done. Do something different with it. It's getting to the point of the whole uh, coming down off of drug sequence, or, or getting yeah, high not, sequence. Not
0: only is this you know, an ex- another example of using old footage, but this one overuses it, because not only do you have the protest footage, you have the Johnny Carson footage, and you have yeah. some footage of Dr. King speaking. And it, it, it is. It's getting almost to the point that when you see it, you almost roll your eyes, because it's like what is only the movies that integrate this old footage, the ones we're supposed to take seriously. You know, it was cool back when they started to integrate this. I don't know uh, off the top of my head that I could think of the first movie that did it well. But it, well, now it seems I like... mean, they've
1: probably been doing this since, like, silent film era. I mean, just to a different extent. Where they right. they cut in uh, newsreel footage into fictional film.
0: Right. But you know, and as time and technology advances, the integration gets better and better. But you know, there's nothing different about it in here. It's just used.
1: I as guess a, uh, the as film that was kind of famous for doing it in the modern era is Forrest Gump.
0: Yeah, probably. I think I'd agree with you there. And I think ever since then, it seems like these movies feel they're so much more important if they integrate this, yeah, this footage.
1: Yeah, it, it, they want to ground themselves in the historical moment,
0: and right. I, I don't and, and it think it does that's help necessary. To accomplish that, it does help to, to ground itself. This, like American Gangster. The film looks like the time period it's supposed to be yeah. shot in. It looks like this late '60s and the early '70s, and even continues a little into the
1: '80s. See, I the I disagree. The the, the footage grounds you, and I I mean that's the that's why they do it is to ground you. But I don't think that it does. I think it has the opposite effect of pulling you out, because whenever you see that, you're instantly taken out of the movie, and you realize, oh, I'm watching a different style of shooting. Well,
0: I think the way this movie used it, I agree with you. I think using the footage properly, like in the case of maybe Good Night and Good Luck, or even in "Force Gump, it helps it. But in this case, you're right, it was overused, and it didn't work.
1: Yeah, well, do you have any more praises to sing of this mediocre film?
0: I have many more. I think... I just think everything, other than the, the overuse of the old footage, was really good. I thought the, the writing was good. I thought all the dialogue seemed very natural. I liked all the characters. I Like you said, the, the soundtrack was excellent. You know, This was a movie I wish I would have seen in the theater for the, the fuller sound. It's very appropriate for the movie. Of course, a radio, you'd probably expect that from this type of movie. Right. If I had to give it another negative though, there there is a part about halfway through the film where there's a, a montage placed to the song and the song is actually appropriate. What I don't like though is the montage is kind of technically lacking, it's more footage and kinda of awkward shot composition of the characters placed either in the center at the sides. It just that montage didn't work for me. But that that's a minor nitpick.
1: Alright, well. Everything
0: else is terrific. I highly recommend this film. Well,
1: I'm so happy for you. What are you (laughs) going to give talk to me?
0: I'm giving it a four and a half.
1: I'm giving it a three. I didn't think it was bad, didn't think it was good. Alright, well our last review of the day is, is Pixar's Ratatouille coming out on DVD this previous week. Well, you know, I have been somewhat an enemy of the new computer-generated animated films. I think they're devoid of style and feeling and are essentially just trying to go for more and more realism. And even when they do have a style like The Incredibles, where it was stylized... it it doesn't really seem to contribute to the feel of the film. It's almost like they just picked a random style and went with it, similar to what an animated TV show would do. You know, so uh, I've, I've kind of been longing for the old days of 2D animation, but... I will say, you know, from the previews of Ratatouille, I did think that it looked like it was a little more stylized than previous efforts. So I thought that it might be worth a shot. And it is directed by Brad Bird, who did the, in addition to The Incredibles, the fantastic uh, Iron Giant from the 90s. So Doug, what did you think of Ratatouille? Do you think that it shows that there's hope for this medium of computer animated film, or are you still longing for the days of 2D
0: animation? Well, let me start off by saying I actually am longing for the days of 2D animation, only because, as you said in your introduction, 3D American animation just seems to be going the wrong way. We're focusing entirely on trying to make it look more realistic. Yes. You know, I point out an example of Beowulf. Mm-hmm. While it looks like a good movie, I'm kind of excited to see it. At the same time, it's like, okay, well here we have a computer animated film. Oddly enough, the commercial for it comes on the TV just to the side of me as I say this for Beowulf, but uh I digress.
1: Yeah, but Beowulf, I, I mean, Beowulf's almost not really computer animated. I mean, it's almost a whole different
0: thing is it?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I, mean, I mean it's like almost 3D rotoscoping, which I mean it it certainly is a style of animation, but it's like a whole different
0: ball game. All right. Well, you still agree with me that it seems yeah. that the intent of our 3D animation is to get it to look as real as possible so that you can't tell it's 3D. I
1: animation. definitely agree with that.
0: All right. Well, now after that long-winded response, let me go on to say that while I wasn't enthralled with movies like The Incredibles and Meet the Robinsons, I really did like Ratatouille. I thought it did have that kind of style, that French style of yes. that you see in 2D animation. And I thought it was brought to 3D and rendered beautifully. I mean, gorgeous. I love the look of this film. I thought yeah. Paris just looked amazing. I thought the character designs were... Very stylized, very well thought up, very well designed, very well animated. Everything was crafted as far as from like an art design, perfect for this film.
1: Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. I, you know, I I actually loved this movie for the look of it alone. I I think it's just amazingly breathtaking. You know, aside from being beautiful. Because, I mean, these older animated films, whether they be Finding Nemo or Monsters, Inc. or Shrek, they all have these moments of, like, wow, you know, that look gorgeous. But at the end of the day, it it doesn't... It leaves you empty because it's like, well, it's just going for realism. Whereas, like you said, it does... Ratatouille does capture that element of French art. I mean, it's it's almost like a blend of, and please forgive me because my art history is sorely lacking, but it's it's kind of, to me it looked like a blend of surrealism and the Impressionists. And, I mean, because especially I'm thinking of the one scene whenever they look out of the kitchen and the, the critic, um, Ego, is sitting at his seat and he's dressed all in black in these... Red completely red background and right. and his design of his face it looks like something that Dolly would have painted, and it's just amazing and I loved how they went for that style, and it was a style that I felt fit with the film I mean they wanted to capture
0: this essence of Paris in this movie. Right. And they did. Style that's been missing from Disney's animation for a long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think you can go back to The Lion King as the last one that did
0: it. Probably.
1: And I I mean, and it, to me, Ratatouille like restored my faith in computer animated film because I think it showed that yes, the, they can get that. Not that I wouldn't love to see two D make a resurgence, but I think. Th- Brad Bird showed that you can do the same things with two, 3D animation that you did with 2D if you're willing to do it. Well, I certainly agree with
0: you. I, I, I never, before this movie, never thought 3D was going to be able to portray that wonderful art style that you can accomplish in 2D animation. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, films from Japan anime, you see a lot of 3D animation kind of in the background helping, you know, to bring to life the 2D animation. Yeah. Which was okay, which was good actually. I like that. You know, I I don't mind that you have these computer animated Mm -hmm. objects and backgrounds kind of adding, but it just never seemed that three D animation could carry the whole movie. Well this movie now has proved me wrong.
1: Yeah, I I think that I, I it's just like I said I can't get over the look of the film and I think other than the look of the film and also the music I thought the music was fantastic in capturing this the essence of Paris as well and good. I I thought those two worked so well together and it's a testament to how beautiful this how beautifully this movie's presented that the plot is a little dicey. It's It doesn't, for me, quite work. But I, I, to me, that wasn't important.
0: I agree with you 100%. There were a lot of issues with the plot that you know, kind of gaping holes or, or elements that just didn't work. But I'm trying to think to myself, hey, it's a kid's movie, and more importantly... I'm just totally involved and enthralled in these visuals. You know, one other thing about the visuals that I really liked was even the camera work. How a lot of the shots are taken from the rat's point of view. Yeah. You know, while you're watching this movie, we almost feel, as the audience, we are rats. Yeah. Because most of the shots are at the ground level looking up.
1: Yeah. and Well, you know... Yeah. Another, uh, the camera work all around is phenomenal. I mean, there's tons of shots looking out of crevices and holes and open doorways. I mean, and that really works from the rat's point of view as well. But also, there's that one scene whenever, um, whenever Linguini kisses Paulette, or Colette, and the camera like just spirals upward as it's looking down at Paris, and it looks right. at them and it keeps going till it shows the city and it's just a beautiful shot and it's it's just I, I mean brad bird is really the best director in animation today i i don't know if you've ever seen the iron giant but it's phenomenal as well
0: and it he really
1: shows that he's still got it
0: with this movie. when you talk about the the shots of the city i i love even very much toward the beginning when Remy is kind of running through the pipes and crevices, not realizing at first he's in France. You know, running through, the camera just follows him the whole way, and all these different locales are rendered seamlessly until he crawls up the roof, and the camera kind of pans up behind him, showing that just gorgeous vista. The, of course, the Eiffel Tower in the background, the wonderful uh, architecture of France fully realized.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, and here I, I am going to, because I, I think we've made our point that we're <laughs> we're in love with the visual style of this film and the music as well. And I, I don't think we can say enough about that. But I do think we have to address the negatives. And okay, the plot, it, I mean, it, it is a bit aimless. And... It is a kids movie, but there's there's no fo- focus at all, and it's bizarre how it kind of shifts between villains back and forth between uh, between um, Skinner and Ego, and right. whenever Ego, because Ego's gets a brief mention early in the film. And then all of a sudden he comes back as the main villain. It's like, what the hell? Where did he come from? You know, and it kind of throws you
0: off. Right. And Skinner kind of almost disappears from the film. I mean, he's in it, but not as a major character anymore.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I kept thinking they were going to team up and kind of both be villains, but that never really happened. And so that that's kind of bizarre. I, I think it's a little long, too. I think it probably could have ended
0: a half an hour earlier. I agree. The movie is a little long-winded.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, that's part of its aimlessness, too. I mean, they could have really combined the whole thing with The Critic and with Skinner and been fine. Also, I, I think Remy is a far more interesting character than Linguini and unfortunately we spend more time with linguini
0: i agree with you here too i mean there's i a, didn't really care for linguini's character no. actually i mean he's I like thought,
1: a he has all the I'm personality just, of a wet noodle right, i mean right. he he really has he has no drive or
0: anything and it, and, and you know i actually I agree. I think that's what his character is, and I think that's okay. But I think the movie should have focused more on Remy and not done so much with Linguini, especially, you know, the kind of forced romance between him and Collette. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it really, she was the only girl there, so he had to fall in love
0: with her. It was, was
1: like, one of those situations.
0: Yeah. And so it it's, it really is a shame. It's I'm not trying to dismiss Linguini's character as I think what they did with him was right. They just missed his calling, you know. They kept they introduced him as maybe a, a supporting character, and that's what he should have stayed, you know, yeah. as kind of the puppet to Remy. But yeah. Instead, they they didn't. They kind of took focus away from Remy and put it on Linguini.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, Linguini doesn't seem really to give a
0: fuck about any of it.
1: I mean, because he doesn't really want to be a chef, and he doesn't really seem to care a whole lot about any of it. (laughs) So it's like, why are we following him? He has no goals or ambition whatsoever. What is he trying to fulfill? And really, he's just a vehicle for Remy's uh, desires. Which, like you said, that could work, but then you have to focus on Remy. I mean, because Remy doesn't even speak in the scenes where he's with
0: Linguini. Right, you only hear him squeak as a mouse would. Yeah,
1: and nod and things like
0: that as mice would nod.
1: But, <laughs> yeah,
0: so that those are
1: flaws. And I, I think it is a testament to how beautiful the movie looks that you don't really
0: care. Yeah, but, one other thing that kind of is irking me is it seems... Disney and Pixar movies and children's movies in general seem to only focus on one theme, and that's friendship, or in this case, kind of family, too, with the, the rat colony. But, you know, there's not much going out, not much else going on other than that theme. And there's so many other themes and morals out there that are certainly relevant to children. Why is it always this one?
1: Yeah, well, and also, I I have issues. I, I don't think movies for kids have to be moral films. And that is kind of the belief in American cinema is that it... I mean, whatever happened to Looney Tunes? Like, Looney Tunes don't have a fucking moral message, you know? But <laughs> they were great, and I loved them as kids, and you loved them too. And why can't you just watch Bugs Bunny bash the hell out of Elmer Fudd? I mean, I don't I don't think that we were exceptionally warped by that, and our parents weren't exceptionally warped by watching that. Why does everything have to have some sort of moral or social message now
0: that we show kids? I don't know. I mean, I agree with you, but I, I still, to take it even further, if it's going to have to have that kind of moral message, it seems like every movie it's the same message oh
1: it is it is i mean and you always have the crappy dad who just doesn't understand his son but then (laughs) by the end he understands that he was wrong and he has to he, he was just being gruff and he has to shed his gruff exterior and just accept his son for the man or the rat that
0: he is right and you always have a duo or a partnership going on that they eventually get you know Separated or apart, or yeah, they fight they, they
1: fight with each other. And realize that only
0: if they work together will they <laughs> right. succeed.
1: Right. I mean, we we could write one of these scripts easily. I mean, it's <laughs> but always then we'd
0: be on strike, as I mentioned earlier.
1: Well, we would be. Well, no, they're on strike now, so there's an opening for us. If you don't mind being a scab, we can well, I mean, we can true, write a just script so we for Pixar. Join the guild. Right. Right. We, we if if we're not part of the guild, we can write. I see. You're right. <laughs> so all right, Pixar, if you're listening, we have an idea for your next movie. It's about a dishwasher that befri- befriends a a cup.
0: And it's just like your last five movies.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the same thing. We're going to we're going to have like
0: I don't know. He goes on to fall in love with a microwave. Yeah, well <laughs> As they all face off against the Maytag, man.
1: The microwave's going to be played by Jessica Simpson. And <laughs> the the cup will be... Oh, shit. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. And the yeah, dishwasher can, can be, be like... What's that?
0: I'm sure he'd love to do a Disney film.
1: <laughs> I bet you he would. He's just crazy enough to do it. <laughs> But if you, if you kept the the drugs flowing, I'm sure he'd do whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs>
0: but and that would be our theme too: is drugs, drug abuse. Yes,
1: we we've gone way off target here. But I do have two more questions for you. One, okay. why does Anton Ego have a British accent?
0: Good question. And I don't know. It didn't didn't distract me a whole lot, but I guess it is a valid. <laughs>
1: And two, why does Linguini
0: have no accent at all? Well, he has nothing. He has no drive. No, no cool. personality. He He's has. an emotional cripple. Yeah. Yeah. Until he forced the kiss Colette.
1: Yes, yeah. He's Remy kisses Colette. So is he really. You have to wonder whenever they have sex, will the rat be involved? That's disturbing. It is. So on that note, what are you going to give Ratatouille?
0: Well, bottom line, it's kind of a shallow film with terrific, terrific animation and visuals, and I did really, really enjoy watching it. I'm going to give it a four.
1: I'm going to actually give it a four and a half. I mean, despite my issues with it, it just looks... I think it's the best-looking American animated film in at least a decade. So I'm I'm going to give it, probably the Iron Giant is the last one that even came close, and I think this one looks better than any. So I'm going you to think give it... You that's a
0: technology reason?
1: No, no. I, I just, okay. I prefer the style to All right. it. I think it's Fair a little enough. more creative. Just, was,
0: just asking, just asking.
1: But I'm going to give it a four and a half.
0: All right, we're going to finish up the show today with our top five list of movies based on a true story. Whether these are biopics or movies that were based around events that were true, these will be our five favorites. Galen, go ahead and start us off.
1: All right, well, I'll get right into it here because I had no real criteria other than be- being based on a true story. My number five is Goodfellow. The Martin Scorsese film. Uh, everyone has seen this, so I don't need to to really talk about it much. I'll just say that it's a great film, and it's one of my favorite all, all-time movies that are based on a true story. Especially, you, the DVD has a special Cops and Robbers commentary track where you can listen to the real Hill talk to the detective who ended up busting him, and they do commentary on the film and talk about how it compares to real life. So it's really uh, an interesting experience.
0: That seems like a good choice. I have to admit, this list is kind of tough for me because a lot of times I'm probably unaware that the film I'm watching is a true story unless I happen to research it or the film makes mention of it but with that said I'm going to go into my number 5 film and go ahead and call it a cop out but I like the film so much I'm giving it to Talk To Me with Don Cheadle I think his performance I think his character is so likable the film is so enjoyable It's it's really, really good. I can't recommend it enough.
1: Yeah, it's a perfect exercise of mediocrity.
0: I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) That exact line. (laughs) I'm as predictable
1: as... Talk to me. Well, you know, I guess I made fun of that enough. So, I'll move on to my number four choice. The Untouchables. The only Brian De Palma film that's worth watching. And it's really fantastic. I mean, you have all these elements. You have Sean Connery. You've got Kevin Costner not sucking, which I know it's been a while. And you have... Uh,
0: he was alright in Mr. Brooks. Oh, I thought he was. You was have, a different character for him.
1: You have Robert De Niro, who's great as... Scarface. Just a really, a really great movie. I mean, you have the famous rip off of the Odessa step sequence in the subway. I mean, it, it's really just a great movie. A lot of fun. Some terrific lines, like whenever he throws the, the guy off of the building and asks, did he sound something like that? Great moment, so... The Untouchables. So great, in
0: fact, four. I agree with you 100%. My number four choice was also The Untouchables. Oh.
1: Is there anything you'd like
0: to add? Um, I think you covered it perfectly. It's a right. great film, a lot of fun to watch. It has a stellar cast. All right. Based on a true story.
1: My number three choice is Bloody Sunday, directed by Paul Greengrass, who's probably best known right now for the Bourne movies. Uh, it's the story of the Bloody Sunday massacre that took place in Ireland where a group of peaceful protesters were gunned down by the British military. And it, it's just such a powerful movie as the traditional Greengrass documentary style that adds it a, a further aura of authenticity. Plus, the actors he used aren't the most well-known actors. So it, it gives it... And that's another Greengrass uh, MO because he did the same thing in United 93
0: uh, about the um, terrorist attacks on nine eleven. Where he right, uses United ninety three could easily be on this list. It, it, it's a good film. It
1: very easily could have. I didn't want to put two green grass films on, so I went with Bloody Sunday, which I think is a little bit better.
0: Well, that's a, a good choice. My number three film is Letters from Iwo Jima from Clint Eastwood, and I like this movie because it's one of the the better war films I've seen recently. And and also, let me go on record saying that, though I love this film, I did not like Flags of Our Fathers. But I love this film for its telling of the story of the battle of Iwo Jima from the perspective of the Japanese. I think that was an interesting take, especially for as popular as the film was here in America. But I think the film had so many other things going for it Including a stellar soundtrack, mostly just an acoustical guitar and you know yeah. some horns, you know. But it really brought the movie together, as well as the the sound effects. You know, the the sounds of of war and guns firing really brought you into it. And to top it all off, were just some very gripping visuals.
1: Yeah, a re- relentlessly bleak a uh, sentimentality too. Yes, it's really. A bleak film but very powerful
0: yes i really really enjoyed it
1: my number two choice is one of my favorite films of all time Patton. you know i i think you have one of the best performances ever from george c scott as general Patton, and it just <laughs> and i i mean i don't know what to say that that people won't already know but it's just fantastic to watch this man who was made for war. I mean, Patton was a man who couldn't exist without war. And when the war was over, he just kind of faded away. And, and cause there's, there's no place for him in peacetime. I mean, there's this amazing shot where he's walking his little, his bulldog, which is a coward, you know, and he's walking him along after the war is over and he's, He's dressed in his full outfit, his full military gear, taking a walk. And, and you, he just looks so out of place because he just wasn't meant for peacetime. And it, it's just a, a great study of a man who, as they say, is as the Germans refer to him, he's the great anachronism. He, he belongs, he should have been born a thousand years ago, you know, and been some medieval general or some Roman general. You know, he he just wasn't fit for the 20th century.
0: Well, I think that also is a, a great choice. My number two choice is the Ron Howard film, A Beautiful Mind.
1: Oh, that's a good
0: now, one. Now, this one also stars Russell Crowe, playing a part that he may not be as used to like in American Gangster. Right, and he I never bashes he... anyone's face in A uh, Beautiful
1: right.
0: Mind. Well, and, and in this movie, he does an absolutely terrific job and he's playing the the role of the genius mathematician John Nash who eventually struggles with his life on you know kind of gripping what is reality and what he seems to be making up which is this intricate cons- government conspiracy and i think the movie also has such a, a wonderful terrific ending that just really is inspiring. I I love, I can't say enough good about this movie. Yeah. Jennifer Connelly's also terrific in it.
1: Yeah, it's a a really good movie that I feel is uh, underappreciated to a large degree. I mean, people think it's kind of just hokey crap uh, to a large degree and I'm not sure why that is because it it worked for me too. So, I guess people are just stupid. (laughs) Alright, but anyways, now moving on to my number one choice. You know, Thinking back on it, to paraphrase this movie, whenever Doug mocked me for enjoying *Bridge to Terabithia*, it was not Doug mocking me; it was God. My number one choice is *Amadeus*, the great oh, movie.
0: It, it, I totally forgot about
1: it's that. One, it, it truly is probably on my top five list of all time. Uh, it, it, really, it's it's amazing because the movie's really about not Amadeus, but about his rival composer Salieri's obsession with Amadeus. And it's just a brilliant study of this man who will, just wants to do anything to destroy his rival, because his rival is... he. I mean, the, the tragedy of Salieri is that he knows that he's not, he can recognize how brilliant Mozart is, even though everyone of his era prefers Salieri's music. He knows that Mozart is so much more brilliant than him, and that's part of his curse, is that he has the taste to recognize the brilliance, but he doesn't have the talent to create it. And it just kind of drives him mad in this pursuit of Revenge Against God, who he views as being Mozart's agent.
0: Well, that is a wonderful choice. I probably haven't seen that movie in 15 years, 20 years. No, I mean, it's...
1: You need to watch it again.
0: It is. I, I, did, I remember enjoying it, even though I was young when I saw it. I'd probably even appreciate it more. Maybe that's why I didn't give it as much thought for this top yeah. five list. But... My number one choice is a movie I would probably put in one of my top fives, and it is probably my favorite Scorsese film, maybe eclipsed by the the recent Departed movie, but it is Raging Bull, the story of the boxer, Jake LaMotta, and how his violent temper and abuse eventually just destroys him and destroys his career. Yeah, he could have been somebody. He could have been a contender. Yeah, <laughs> 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 but it's a it's a terrific film. It's filmed mostly in black and white, save for a montage that's filmed in color. It's, I think, a visual masterpiece as well as a written masterpiece, and an, certainly a showpiece for Martin Scorsese.
1: Yeah, I the only thing I disagree with you on is The Departed is nowhere
0: near as good as Raging Bull. I really like The Departed. I, I, I like yeah, The I Departed know, but too, but say... it's not Raging Bull. I, I agree, I agree. I like Raging Bull more.
1: Alright, well, I think we're pretty much in agreement on our list, except for Talk To Me. Oh. <laughs> Apart from that, I think we're pretty much in agreement. So those are our lists, and as I said before, unfortunately we'll be gone until the weekend of December 16th, but by then hopefully we'll have a slew of new reviews for you and, you know, more to talk about. And hopefully we will, I will be back in Pennsylvania shortly thereafter, so hopefully we'll get to see some of the same movies too. So once again, apologies, but it's just not something we can help. Okay, that's all for today's show. If you would like to review any of the ratings that we gave the movies that we covered today, please visit thosemovieguys.blogspot.com. There you can find more in-depth reviews, our star ratings, as well as links to items that we may have covered in the show. Plus, you can subscribe to our
0: feed. Also, you can visit Google Groups at groups.google.com when you're there search for those movie guys you can post a message to our forums and you can also email us at those at gmail.com it's those at gmail.com you look
1: forward to any feedback that you can give us about why we're retarded
0: i do wish we could chat longer but i'm having an old friend for dinner bye